please, this morning. Isaiah chapter 48. And we'll begin reading in verse number 10. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse number 10. Oh, Brother David was coming. About locked him out. Let's all stand to our feet, if we could please, in honor of the Word of God this morning. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse number 10. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse number 10. God says, Behold, I have what? Refined thee, but not with silver. I have what? Chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Dearly Father, I pray that you would please help in the service this morning. I pray that you would speak to hearts. And, you know, we pray that, Lord, but we know that you are speaking to our hearts. question is, will we listen? I pray that you would please give me unction and power from on high. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct my thoughts. Lord, please help me to say what only you would have me to say. I yield myself to you, and I ask you, please, Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. We pray these things as we ask it in Jesus' name, and amen. You can be seated. God makes a pretty stark statement here. He says, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. When I began to study that passage, I thought, well, maybe that doesn't have the meaning I think it does because that sounds pretty hard to take. So I began to do some study and consider and meditate on the passage. A lot of times we get the idea that what God is looking for is somebody who is perfect and polished and who has it all straight and together. We get the idea sometimes that God could not use us because of mistakes that have marred our past, because of situations and trials that we have dealt with in our lives. Sometimes you look and have a tendency to look at the people that God uses the most and think, my soul, what a perfect life they must have lived. You see a polished preacher who stands up with a suit of clothes on and, and with knowledge of the Scriptures. And sometimes we have a tendency to think that when God really uses a man, that that man must have been perfect in what he has done and said throughout the course of his life. And that's why God has chosen him to do his work. I have to admit, as a younger Christian, even growing up in a preacher's home, there were many times that I looked up to people so much, especially those preachers that God was using in such a great way in my life, that I assumed they must have lived the perfect life. And boy, what an eye-opening experience it is when you find out preachers are human too. It's funny because I grew up in the home of a preacher, so I knew my dad was human, but I knew he was a good preacher, and so I guess I just didn't always correlate uh, my dad with some of the other preachers. You know, dad's normal, but all these other guys, I mean, they're just, you know, they were, they were literally dropped down from heaven. They're not even normal. But the more you get to know 
some of these men, you see the struggles that they've been through. J. Harold Smith prayed one day that God would give him a million souls in the days of his ministry. As J. Harold Smith prayed that, I don't remember the exact time frame that it was. Some of you know about J. Harold Smith. He was here and preached the message, uh, God's Three Deadlines, or at least was here anyway. How many of you remember when he was here? Don't know what message he preached, but he, he was here at Camp Calvary and preached for the church, maybe preached God's Three Deadlines. He prayed for God to give him a million souls throughout the course of his ministry. How many of you have heard this story before? When he prayed that, he had no clue what God was about to do. Sometime after, he prayed and pleaded with God to give him a million souls throughout the course of his, his <clears throat> preaching and evangelistic ministry. His son had been, I believe, out back. And I don't remember the whole story, but had been playing with some matches and I believe some fuel. And I could have the story wrong, but I do know that his son set himself on fire as a young man, I don't remember his age, may have been 8, 9, 10 years old. They rushed him to the hospital, and as he lay in the hospital bed, fighting for his life, his son motioned to his father and said, Dad, come closer. And as he got a little bit closer, he said, I heard my son begin to sing the words through all the pain. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask to be like Him. J. Harold Smith said, I never thought when I prayed and asked God to use me that He would take my son. But He did. And the ministry of J. Harold Smith and largely the message, God's Three Deadlines, was born out of affliction. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I heard Dr. Keith Gomez preach, one of my spiritual heroes the man that was the pastor for my wife, all of her growing up years and many of her adult years, her family was saved under his preaching. And God has used him in a great way and he's dealt with great affliction in a matter of about a 12-month period. He got the phone call that his wayward son, who I went to Bible college with, that his wayward son, who was in California, had been speeding down the interstate on a motorcycle, probably drunk. And had had an accident and ran into a tree going more than 100 miles an hour. And I watched the grief that he lived through as he went to his son in California and came back and he carried such a heavy weight and the burden was all over him. He was a different person as he watched his son turn into something that he had never expected him to be. 
much of his brain and mind and, and bodily function had changed permanently. And he lived for a little while, but died a couple years later. Through the midst of that affliction, Brother Gomez's wife, Miss Carla Gomez, who was somebody that my wife looked up to greatly through the course of her life, about the time that their son had had his accident, Mrs. Gomez contracted cancer. And she, in a very short amount of time, slipped into eternity. And I heard him stand and preach after he took a six-month sabbatical from the pulpit when his wife had died. Heard him preach his own wife's funeral and then he disappeared for six months. We didn't know where he was. Grieving. He came back with a big beard and looking like a mountain man. And he preached with heaviness. And he began to preach a message that I hated to hear. But he would preach a message he titled that God will not use you until God has bruised you. And I remember hearing him say when he would preach those things and lay it out in the Scriptures and show us how that affliction was often the calling of the Christian that God had placed upon our lives if we were to truly be used. I used to think to myself that Maybe if I humble myself enough that God will not have to bruise me too much, that I won't have to experience too much affliction. I'm thankful that up to this point in my life I haven't lost a wife or a child. I don't know how I would deal with that. But I have seen it to be true that for many of the people that God uses, he doesn't choose them out of the perfections of life. He doesn't choose them from the best places and from the best things. He's looking for people in the furnace of affliction. Many of the great hymns that have been written were written by people that experienced great affliction. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. In Psalm 66, in verse number 10, the Bible says, For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou layest affliction." Upon our loins. We think affliction means we are cursed where God is against us. We think often, and I do too, poorly of times of affliction. But I want to say this morning that God chooses people out of affliction. He's not looking in the piles of success, He's looking in the piles of rubble, of failure, of hurt, of trials for His next servant. He's looking for those who have come through the fire and have endured. What we do in the affliction 
will determine whether God can choose us out as one of His choice servants and lay a special blessing upon our lives and use us in a greater way or whether we give up and become useless for Him in the midst of it. What we do in affliction will determine what God can do with us. Who does God choose out of affliction? He chooses those who are unworthy, who have been put in affliction by their own doing. That's one group of people. You see, he's speaking this to the children of Israel in chapter 48 of the book of Isaiah. In a time where they have wandered far away from God. And he says, because of your sin, I've brought judgment and affliction upon you. He says, but essentially, I'm looking for somebody that in the midst of all of this judgment and chastisement because of your sin, I am looking in the midst of these people to choose those that are in the midst of the furnace of affliction that you brought onto your own life, and if you will repent and allow me to work in you from this day forward, I can and will choose you. And can I say to you, Christian, please understand something this morning, that there are certainly times that we fail and that we sin and that we turn away from God. But if you quit in the times when you have sinned against God because you believe that God is done with you, just because He is chastising you, just because He is judging you, that does not mean that He is done with you. Would you please turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter number 33 and look at verse number 10. That's just a couple of prophetic books later if you'll turn towards the back of your Bibles and look at Ezekiel chapter number 33 and verse number 10. Just a couple of books later from where you are now. Ezekiel chapter number 33 and verse number 10. Look what God says to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. Israel that is living in great sin. Look at it in verse number 10. He says, Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. He's telling Ezekiel, uh, Preach to the house of Israel and give them this message for me. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? In other words, they're saying, if we, are, uh, if we are judged for our sin, how are we going to live? Look at verse number 11. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked, what? Turn from his way and what? Live. Turn ye. Turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? He says, look, I have absolutely no pleasure in your destruction. I have pleasure in you living. And sometimes we get the idea that because we've gone into sin, that must mean that God only takes pleasure in judgment. That He just wants us to be done. That He doesn't want to use us anymore. Can I tell you where His pleasure really is? His pleasure is not in our judgment. His pleasure is in our repentance. In other words, He isn't doing this to destroy us and He wouldn't want us to be destroyed. He wants to pick you up out of the furnace of affliction that He has put you through because of your sin and choose you out again. He doesn't want to judge His people. He wants His people to turn from their ways. God gets no use out of a permanently damaged Christian. 
He's not in it to permanently maim you and make you useless for His cause. So we have to understand that He wants us back in His good graces. He wants us to be blessed and helped again. If we repent and have truly turned from our way, God is gracious. And our turning from sin is what He wanted from the beginning, not our judgment, not our destruction. God doesn't say that He will judge His people continuously even after they've repented. Yes, sometimes the consequences of our sin last well after our sin. But can I say that God doesn't want you to stay down. He just wanted to bring you to a point of decision. And that point of decision is today. If you have not repented and turned from your ways, then God wants you to become the kind of Christian that repents and turns and becomes useful again. He's not in this to judge you forever. The only reason He chastises is to bring us back to Him. Sometimes we can be downcast and scared that God is done with us, but God isn't done with us. He gets no pleasure in being done with us. He gets pleasure in us serving Him. Take heart, sinner. If you have repented and turned from your wicked ways, then God has turned from His wrath and wants to use and bless you again. It's true that God chooses us out of the furnace of affliction. Now, I don't believe that God wants His people to go into the kind of sin that He has to judge us for so that He can choose us out of that affliction. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that even with Israel, He's saying this to a group of people who had come so far away from Him that He's just trying to get them to understand if you, destroy, if you are destroyed and if you die, it's not my fault. It's because you never repented. But I don't get any pleasure out of your destruction. I get pleasure out of you living. Who does He choose out of the furnace of affliction? Those who are not worthy. Those who are not worthy because they have fallen into sin. Those who do not believe they are worthy because they are humble in their hearts. But He also chooses out of affliction those who have gone through great trial. The truth is, it's in these trials when we've been hurt the most and stayed faithful. That your faith, having been tested and proven, that even when you were hurt, you stuck it out. Even when it was hard, you didn't quit. Even when things were piling up, you didn't throw your hands in the air and turn your back on God. But rather, you stayed by the stuff and you did what you were supposed to do and you came to church and you read your Bible and you had faith in God and you stayed the course that when we go through affliction and we stay faithful, when we've had hardship and we've made it through the hard times, those are the people God can trust. If you haven't been tested, I believe it's possible you can't be completely trusted. We don't like testing, but God is looking at those who are passing the test, not those who have never had the test. God is looking for those who have failed and learned from their failures, not those who have failed and embraced the sin that they failed in. God's looking in the furnace of affliction. God is looking for those who have been humbled and brought to a place 
where he can work through them because they no longer have the pride to believe that they can do it on their own without his power. God is looking for those that have been refined and purified. God is looking for those who have been toughened through the hardship of life that he can trust with his word and with his work. God is looking in the furnace of affliction for those that have been prepared for a more precious work. You know what the furnace of affliction often does for God's people? Besides the fact that it shows us our great need for Him, it often makes us more useful also for His work because it makes us more compassionate on others that are also growing, going through affliction. Do you know why Jesus is able to, to, to be our advocate with the Father? The Bible tells us that He came and experienced all of the same things that we did and that He was tempted in all points and that because of this, we have a more faithful high priest. Do you understand that He is able to understand us better because He went through the things that we have gone through and that God often prepares you to be a better servant for others in the future, to be a better servant for God because we can have greater compassion on others when we ourselves have experienced great hardship. When you've been through the fire and you see somebody else in the church that's going through it, your heart goes out to them. You have more compassion and more love and care and you're more useful to go and grab somebody by the arm and say, listen, brother, can I be a friend to you? Because I know where you've been and I know what you're going through. Let's go pray together. Let's go talk together for a little while. Let me be a friend to you. Often it's the furnace of affliction that makes us more useful to others. And although we don't like those times, they're making us more useful. They're making us better servants. They're making us more compassionate, more caring, more understanding, more loving. He said, I have chosen you not out of the great successes of this life, but out of affliction. Because it's the people that have gone through affliction that have been tested. And God, when He has tested His people and they have endured and they have found toughness and faith and they have found a thicker skin and an ability to endure the harder things, then there's more He can do in your life because you're more trustworthy. Some people quit in affliction because they think this must mean that God doesn't love them. This must mean that God doesn't care for them. This must mean that God can't use them. And nothing could be farther from the truth. He's looking for the person who can endure. He's looking for the person who can go through the furnace. You want God to use you with your family to lead your children to a higher plane of spirituality? to lead them closer to God, then endure the hard times. Let them see that mom and dad didn't quit when it got tough because when they come up against something in their life that's really hard, if mom and dad quit, they might quit. But if they see mom and dad even when it's tough, even when things aren't easy, 
grabbing their Bible and heading to the house of the Lord and trying to keep a good spirit. And instead of getting angry at God, weeping at the altar and saying, God, I don't understand. Help! It teaches them something. One of the reasons why God has been able to keep me on the path is that He gave me a faithful mom and dad who as I grew older and looked back on some of the things that they experienced and that I watched in their lives, I didn't even know I was learning from it. But when I went through the hard times, I remembered the days when Dad never asked for a dime to be an evangelist, never got an, an ounce of support. He said, if God called me, God will take care of me. That was his attitude. He didn't like getting support. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We wish he would have gotten some support. But he didn't. He just said, if God, if God called me, he said, I don't like calling preachers and friends and asking them for money. I'll just, we'll just let God take care of it. I didn't know how poor we were. I mean, every now and then, we, we knew there wasn't much. As a kid, I saw it. I remember still when we pulled into, I don't remember where it was, but I was a kid. Dad pulling a 35-foot trailer behind him that we would live in most of the time and, and pulled up to a church one day. And, and I, don't, I don't know... Uh, where we were at the time, but I remember mom opened the cupboards and, 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 and she said, well, y'all, what we're having tonight is crackers and butter. That's dinner. I remember the times when we opened the cupboard and there was literally just one can of Vienna sausages. My dad called them Vienna sausages. I don't know why. That was dinner. And he'd stand up and preach. with joy in his heart and the love of God. I have no doubt in my mind there were times my dad fell on his face and said, God, help. And now I have the privilege of looking back on hard days that my parents didn't quit in that some church member didn't quit in. Some of you church folks don't understand. You think you're just a layman sitting in the pews and you think nobody's noticing what's going on in your life. I wish you had any idea how many of God's laymen that He has used in my life as a young man that I watched over the years that went through great affliction and endured. And I think back at the hard times they went through and how they continue to stay faithful to God. If you quit when you're going through the furnace of affliction, it will forever impact not only your family, not only your kids, it will forever impact others in the ministry. But if you endure, if you continue, what a lesson it will teach. Those who have been through the affliction are able to hurt with others and care for them and love them better. They aren't as judgmental towards others. 
You see, God prepares people in the furnace of affliction. And Christian, can I say this morning, please hear me out, and I'm finished. Please hear me out. If you're wondering sometimes when in the world this will ever quit, I don't know. I don't know. But thinking that God is against you because of what you're going through is the exact opposite of what He intends. Understand. He chooses people in the furnace of affliction. He's looking for people that He can use in a greater way in the hardest of times. Would you please look at the passage again with me and we'll be finished. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse number 10. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Do you see it? I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please imprint these truths upon our hearts and minds. Help us as only you can. With heads bowed and eyes.